Clockwork Things. This is Mark here, and welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. A quick word about our sponsors today. It is the founder of Scalar Light, Tom Palladino. Scalar Light is a quantum healing company using scalar energy devices that work remotely, giving distant healing anywhere in the world. On the website, you can get a 15-day free trial, but we are getting a 30-day free trial here on the Clockwork Junkie podcast. As a lot of people know, I've done it myself already. There's no credit cards, no debit cards, there's no risk, no obligations, and it is 100% free. How you sign up is you give your name, your email, and upload a selfie. So the link for the 30-day trial is in the description of this video, as is a link to the conversation Tom and I had, where Tom describes what exactly Scalar Energy is. So have a look at that video and click on the link and get your 30-day free trial with Scalar Light. Hey, how are things? This is just a quick message to say thank you to everybody who has supported the podcast so far. If you would like to donate to the podcast, you can do so through PayPal. You can find us at paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie. That's paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie. Thank you. How do you pronounce your surname? Um, my last name? The Tulio? The Tulio. Yeah, the Tulio. It's Italian. I fucking love it. <laughs> I love it. That's what I seen first. I went, what the fuck is that? that yeah. Capital. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool name. It's a very strange name. It is. I've never is heard it, of it. Is it um it's an Italian name, but like I go by like uh, football players. You'd call probably call them soccer players, football players like uh, that's where I know all my Italian names, and there's no Detulio there. Yeah, I know. I don't know where it comes from. It means like son of Tulio or something. Who's Tulio? I, I don't know, but he's pretty important, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I should have started a podcast. That would have been a brilliant way to start it. <laughs> Who's Tulio? <Pretty> recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I forgot. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. It is Mark here as always and you are more than welcome. Thank you for tuning in. My guest today is Lauren. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, where are you in the world? I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. And we have in- five hour time difference? Yep. Yeah. Many That's not hours. too bad. But it, it it changes to a six hour time difference, doesn't it? You do do you go back an hour or forward an hour? Yeah, we go back and forward. We do some when? crazy stuff. I was just talking about this. I don't know. I think I want to say November. There's like spring forward, something fall, fall back. back. Yeah, yeah. My brother it's lives just- in Toronto and he does that as well. So he's in that's the East Coast also, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just Anyways, the podcast up. is not about this guy's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's begin so you are a brand new author yes you are 23 years of age and you are an author which True. makes me feel sick in my stomach because it's something that i want to do and i'm much older than that um how does it feel to be an author at 23 just to start it, yeah it's weird because <laughs> it's something i've been writing like ever since I was in fourth grade, that's like the moment I knew I wanted to be a writer and like used writing to like help people in some way. Um, So to be a writer, it's like an author. It doesn't feel real sometimes. Like I have my physical book and I hold it, but 
it's just so strange that there's like people in the world that can like have access to my writing because I've very much been like shy about it. I'm like, no, you don't need to read it. It's not that good. Um, but then, you know, to have it be out in the world and to have like an actual publishing company, like take the time to like edit it and then have it go out. It's just, it's very surreal. I still haven't really accepted that it's a thing. Because <laughs> it only like happened. You, you had an idea to write a book. You had yes. the idea of the book. You've worked on it for X amount of time and we will go into all of that. But then you've done it, you've seen it through and you have the physical copy in your hand of a story that only existed in your mind. And now other people can read it and maybe see how creative you are or, or how twisted you are. It depends on how the book ends, you know. <laughs> cool feeling, is it? Yeah, it might be a little twisted. <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah. I'd well, say there's... It's definitely one of the most chaotic things I've ever written. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy you said that because we're going to do a deep dive into the book now. Oh, twisted. That's cool. It is. I only read the first, I think, I think it was the first three chapters. Um, yeah. So just how would you describe it? Like we'll get into the book in a minute, but in terms of genre, is it like sci-fi? Is there, is it sci-fi romance or just sci-fi? It's a sci-fi mystery crossover. That's what my editor calls it. <laughs> Cause I'm like, what is this genre? Yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, it's kind of a mixture um, because it has sci-fi elements, but it's very much like a mystery, like throughout it. And it has a lot of realist elements. Like it's a real, you know, family and it deals with like real trauma and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a bunch of different things kind of thrown together. I knew like at, at the beginning that you weren't um, fooling around when, and I'm not giving a spoiler here, it's in the first page or two that the Edward Long dies but he dies of a brain tumor yes wow why I did know. you pick that by the way well because he's a neurosurgeon um so i was like it'd be very ironic for like a neurosurgeon to like develop a brain tumor and then yeah. succumb to that illness because you know he spent his life studying brains and then for it to be his own like demise is like insane um but also i, I when i first started writing it i based it in pennsylvania and they had steel mills and a lot of times there was like environmental pollution because of that i'm like very big environmentalist so i wanted it to be something along the lines of environmental pollution sort of contributed to his brain tumor and it getting like bad uh pretty quick because he was 35 when he died so um i was kind of going with that route and then i changed it and just kind of threw the environmental pollution out the window um it's mentioned maybe once in my book but my next book's going to be big environment <laughs> a lot about it it's like um it's like a, a a swimming instructor dying because they're drowned you know yeah. it's um yeah yeah so <clears throat> it, when i read that i, I kind of went like that's like you probably have you know when you don't know somebody but you hear something about them and you think that person might have a little bit of something about them so when i read that a neurosurgeon dies of brain tumor I says, this motherfucker is twisted. I said, get her on the podcast straight away. <laughs> it's twisted. It gets so weird so fast. <laughs> so, so you wrote loads of stuff before this. So was it like essays or poems or pieces for like newspapers or what's your background in writing? Yeah. So I, when I was 19, I self-published a book of poems. I thought I was a poet for the longest time. And then I realized I'm not a poet. Um, I'm definitely a storyteller. And then I've had, um, I've won awards uh, growing up. I won two gold keys from the Boston Globe. They had like a writing contest. 
Um, and then I've gotten like first place in like writing contests in my town, um, mostly because my mom was like, you should submit your work. Not because I was like, I think it's good enough that it'll win. Mm -hmm. I never in, in a million years thought my writing was capable of getting first place in anything. Are you just naturally good or was it like something you worked on? Like, obviously, you, you, of course, you've worked on it. But I mean, like sometimes I, I give you, I can use me as the scapegoat. So when I have an idea sometimes and I want to write it down, Early on in this podcast, or when the podcast started, I had a website and I wrote a blog and I just found that I could explain myself better verbally all of the time, in real time, even if I had no ideas in my mind. But when I went to write something down, I had too many ideas at the one time and I couldn't pick, I couldn't, uh, what's the word, I couldn't jigsaw them together. Were you always able to do that even? Yeah. Edge? I feel like writing is something that always came very natural to me, but I didn't recognize that it was good like it was something that I loved doing it was something that I sort of used as a way to express emotions when I couldn't do it like verbally um and I found that it was just like second nature for me it's just something I'm, I'm always doing um and then people outside like my mom or like teachers were like this is good and I was like what this is a hobby <laughs> like this is for fun yeah and now I'm a writer so it's just it's weird for sure i actually get that because it's like um you know a, a parent or a guardian and perhaps a teacher saying oh this is good you mean is it good for me or is it good for everybody to read and there's always that um that self-doubt but you seem very confident i have had to force myself to be because i'm a writer coach so i'm like everyone's hype woman and then i've had to learn to be my own hype woman yeah. because that's it's the hardest like thing it's so hard. I was never confident in me, myself or my writing until ultimately like I published this fiction book and became a writing coach. Um, the biggest thing I teach people is like, just be that person for yourself. Like if you don't have someone in your life who can tell you that what you have is special, like tell yourself it's special and like take yeah. the opportunity when you can. That's a very, um, that's a very clever thing to say because um, even with this podcast, like I, I could do a podcast that I think it's really good with a guest. And then like you hope people will come and see it or come and listen on Spotify or go to YouTube and, but they won't. You need to say, Hey, my name is Mark. This is a podcast. I created this hour long conversation with this human about these subjects. And here are some clips and you have to put yourself out there. But once you start doing it, then you don't care anymore. I find. Yeah, no, I'm still getting used to sort of you know, asking for like reviews, like people will send me the nicest messages. And I'm like, can you put it on Amazon? Because it's like, yeah. I love hearing it. But it's like, you have to promote yourself or else you're just going to be stuck. You 100%. know, like I, I look, I said this off air. Um, I said, when this podcast is finished, uh, you might leave a review on my Clockwork Junkie Facebook page. I have like 20 something reviews and 200 podcasts. I just never ask people. It, it just never it's hard. It never, well, it's not even, it never crossed my mind. And the no. first two people that I asked said they would, and it didn't. They actually didn't do. And I thought, oh, maybe, you know, and then I just, the attitude I have now, which is just like, fuck you, came into my life. And now, if, if you know, if they do it, good. If they don't do it, who cares? You know, yeah. but, um, yeah, yeah, that's um, a very clever thing to say from a 23-year-old. You have to promote yourself. Be your own hype woman. Is that what you said? Yep. I like that. Thank you. It's my That's thing. Cool. <laughs> I'm my own hype woman, bitch. Um, yeah. 
Come at me. <laughs> easy, easy. Not controversial. Yeah. Um, well, hold on now. You just had a neurosurgeon die of a brain tumor. Yeah. You're trying to start a fight with me. The podcast is not five minutes on. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, I like you more because of that. Um, little spice. Yeah, but I just don't know how you can be good. You know, how you can be... Like, you know, like... Um, we'll get into all this in a minute, but it's just, these are just a couple of things that um, I said I might ask her at the end, but I fucking forget. I forget everything all of the time. Like, when you're sitting down and you have... Oh, sorry, I just for everyone listening, I, I'm going to ask um, any tips, any mistakes, um, the book of poems, how did you find the difference between self-publishing and then going through an agency and all those questions and characters and yada, 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 and tell us about the book. So I will get all that in. This is just, if you listen to the podcast, you know me by now. I could the topic could be Armageddon, and for the first five minutes we're talking about ostrich eggs. You know, it just it just whatever flows. But we we will get to the point, I promise. Um, when you have an an idea, like how how do you hone that into? Like, do you do like pictures, or do you have a character and write a backstory, or what way do you do it? If that makes any sense. Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like I wrote. Oh, thank the- you. No, it is <laughs> because I think I wrote the backstory to my main character like way too late in the game. I was okay. like, I showed it to a professor and he was like, you're just killing him off in the first page. Like, you're not going to tell us about his life or anything. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Um, I'm very much someone who just gets an idea and kind of runs with it. I never plan out my books. Like there's like a planner and a pantser. That's what they call it. I very much am like just figuring it out as I go along. Um, but it does usually start with an idea and like the idea for my book surrounded, like when you die, like, are people able to still watch their loved ones grow up? Like if you're, you know, if you've left earth, but you're still alive somewhere, can you still see people, you know, living their best life, trying to survive without you? Um, and ultimately I wrote that story, you know, I wrote about a short story about a father and daughter and he dies and he's able to watch her grow up. Um, so my book came from a short story. So it really is just like, I get an idea, I sit down, I write it. Um, and then it turns into something way bigger than I could have imagined. You know, this was just a short story and now it's like a 200 page novel. Um, so I'm very much not organized in the sense where I have a structure, like some writers do. I just kind of sit down and I'll write like two to 3000 words over like a three hour time span. Oh, Jesus. That's good. Yeah, intense. But then, how much of those three thousand words do you keep? Six. Uh, it depends. Yeah. When I was doing that, like I was in the thick of like writing my manuscript, and I was doing that, like, and I go on Zoom with other people. It's called like accountability writing, which I'll get into. Um, and you basically sit down, and you just write for three hours, and I was in like the thick of writing my manuscript, and I needed to get a first draft done for my editor. So I used a lot of it, but you definitely have to go back and clean it up because you're kind of just like, (laughs) and you're just kind of throwing stuff out there, but you get in a zone and when you get locked in, like some crazy stuff happens. That's why my book's twisted because I would just sit down and write for like three hours every week. It's interesting to hear that um, you, you you know, we'll just talk about this book that you you didn't really have a backstory for your main character until way too late, but people always say that, um, you can't really do it unless you do a backstory. And I never really believed that, but you're proof that maybe it is better to do that, but you most certainly don't have to do it because you're a published author and you didn't do it. So 
Yeah. Um, the book of poems. So you you self published that. Um, how did you find that experience? So that's is just so that I know that I'm talking about the right thing. So you ring up the Clockwork Junkie podcast uh, book company and say, I have a book of poems. I would like you to pay you to publish them for me. And then do they get somebody to edit them and set it up on the front and back? Is that what happens? Um, For self-publishing? Yeah. No, you do it all yourself. So I did all the formatting, like everything. It was just through, it was Amazon, but it was called Create Space back then. I think it's KDP now, which is like Kindle Direct Publishing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. yeah. So I just went on Create Space and I wrote a book. <laughs> I published it. It was like, anyone can do it, literally. Um, and it didn't go anywhere because I mean, like 50 people or so bought it because I didn't promote myself because I was an anxious 19 year old. Um, but I don't know I think that helped boost my confidence in the sense that it was going through the process of creating a book, you know, writing it, putting it in a certain order and then putting it out in the world. So people can still buy that to this day. Um, not that I'm promoting it because again, I was 19 and a lot of them were very dramatic and sad because, you know, everyone deals with their heartbreak, <laughs> teenagers typically. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That process was really interesting because it was very much, I had to do everything. I didn't have any help and it was a very lonely process, but it was fun. And I think it was good experience um, before really publishing with like a company and stuff. With, with, the, with this book, um, did you, like, did they just pick you up and say, okay, we'll publish the book? Or did you have to send them, like, how did you get in contact with them? Just tell us the story before we get into the story of the book. Tell us the story of how that happened. It's a crazy story. Um, I got a DM on Instagram from a professor at Georgetown University. And he was like, hey, like, I'm doing this, like, book writing club thing do you want to like write a book? I have no idea to this day how he found me. Um, and I was like, this is a scam because like, no, no one just asked you if you want to write a book. So I turned him down and then like, I was like, just reach out to me in like a year, maybe like I'll do it then. And then a year later I was a senior in college. They reached out and I was like, sure, let's see where this goes. And now I have a book. So it was like a writing program reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to write a manuscript. So I already had the short story um, and my mom was like, you got to make this into something more. So then I took my short story and I expanded it through this writing program. Um, and then I decided to publish with their publishing company. So it was very strange because it wasn't like I reached out to anyone. Like I literally got an Instagram DM and they were like, do you want to work with us? And I was like, I would love to. <laughs> so um, How you, you, you asked the question that to this day, I suppose maybe you were posting about, stories and writing prior and someone just put in writing in the usa and just loads of people come up and maybe just seeing something it's hard to know who sees what you know because yeah it was like a private i was a private instagram account it was like my personal one i wasn't really posting about writing so i think maybe a professor at my school or something mm. is the best bet because you know like a professor at georgetown i went to emerson college in boston um so i was like maybe there's some connection i probably should have asked um but it's a mystery to this day yeah. i'm like how did you find me sounds know. like something a serial killer would do <laughs> do you want to write a book <laughs> the worst shadow blind ever <laughs> Just, okay. Story. okay sure yeah, okay. <laughs> <In my> basement. <laughs> yeah. but um so when when you started to write the book 
and I've had a couple of authors on, and I've asked some of this, these people, this, I've asked everyone this question, but sometimes not on air. How long did it take from, I'm writing a book, end of story, I'm 100% writing a book to, I have the physical copy in my hand? Gotcha. Okay. How long? So May 2021, and then I published it in August 2022. So. That's quick. Yeah, it was. It was very quick. And I think it was supposed to be quicker because I was doing my senior year of college and they were like, okay, like first draft manuscript, we need it in like October after I had started in May. And I was like, no way can I get that for you? <laughs> it's like, I can get you something, but not, not a draft. So then I got a few more months to work on it. And I submitted my first draft on New Year's Eve. And yeah, so a couple, like a year almost. Yeah, a little, yeah. But you had like written stuff before, you had done the poetry, you have, but one of the problems that I found was, um, <clears throat> Uh, like what's the best software to get when you're writing, you know, is it going to be an ebook? Is it going to be a paperback? What's going to happen? It could be both, I suppose. Um, what's the right software to get? What's the margins in which it has to be written if you're sending all that complicated shit that I never knew, but it didn't stop me from kind of writing and doing it. And what I found was uh, I kept getting bored, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd write something and I'd always leave it for a day or two, then come back and look again and go, oh, I thought that was so good. It's re- and now I see about 16 spelling mistakes as well. Shoot. Yeah. You don't do that? Um, no, I definitely do. Uh, I feel like it depends on the project. Like when I was in this program, it was very much, it was almost like school, how it was structured. So I like had to get stuff done by certain times. And I think having that structure made this book writing process so like attainable whereas when I was doing my poetry book it took me like two summers like I, I would start to work on it one summer I stopped when I went to school and then I started up again the next summer so I think being accountable and having people like hold you accountable to write is something that's super helpful if you're starting off as a writer like it's hard to do it alone yeah if you want to become a writer you have to write that's the problem you know yeah people that <laughs> I you know a guy who's writing a book Jeez, it must be 20 years now, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's being put off and the story's changing and this, that, and the other. So, But if you ask him, he tell you he's an author. You're not an author. No, you're no. You're a bullshitter. That's what you are. You're an author. <clears throat> but, um, okay, so we're going to get into the book and talk about it because uh, Diving in. it's a crazy story. I know some of it. I know I, I don't know the majority of it. You don't have to say anything that you don't want to say because obviously you don't want to give the book away. Um, but you know, you can say say loads is what I would say. Um the link, the Amazon link for the book will be in the description of this. And if it's, it's okay if I leave your Instagram account if people want to follow you and see what your next project is and stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah, perfect. Someone else might slid into your DMs to write another book. Um what's the goal with, with this? Like would you like to write loads of books? Would you like one of your books to be made into a movie, maybe? Would that be yes, cool? That is the dream. That is, is like it? Yeah. Dream. because, you know, I took a film class at Emerson and one of my professors saw, I have a book trailer. One of my professors saw the book trailer and was like, you should like submit this somewhere. And I was like, do not say that. Like you're hyping me up way too early. I don't know like how to do any of this. Like I was like, calm down. 
but yeah, I think this particular book would be really cool as like a series um, or a movie. Um, but I just don't know how to go about doing that, but I think it would be really cool. And I, I mean, I think I'd also love to keep writing books. I don't know if I'll ever like blow up and be like crazy, like known or anything, but it's just like a fun hobby for me. Um, and you know, I have people who have read my book and said they enjoyed it and want to read the next one. So, you know, it's like, it gives me like the confidence to feel like, oh, I'll have people, you know, some people will read it. Like even if five people read it, you know, it's just like, I know. Yeah. It's like, um, when the podcast comes out first, seven listeners. Woo-hoo. Well, one of those was me. So six listeners. Woo-hoo. Um, yeah, but I suppose just before we get into the book, so you could, if you like, you could write a movie script. Yeah. Same story. You could turn your book and I entered a competition before um, to write a five minute uh, movie short um, about a Midlands murder was the theme of blah, blah, blah. It was like a movie school. And I won. My one was the best and we won. So they got in a band to play the score and blah. but they ran out of funds. There was going to be some big government fund to make it happen. And but so I would have been a scriptwriter on a short and I never really got back to it, but I used to absolutely love it. And I found it much easier than writing like an actual book because you could do anything. Literally, yeah. You don't need to be clever. You're talking in accents and nuances of voice. And so I, you still do that in a book, but no, I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe write the next. Was that? Script writing's fun. Yeah. I took one script writing class and I was like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's much easier than writing a book, I find. Hmm. A lot so, of description. Edward Long. T. Yeah. What about him? <laughs> uh, there's a lot he, to say about this man. <laughs> 35 years of age, family, wife, one daughter? One daughter. Four years old sad and you you don't look sad (laughs) no it's sad (laughs) it's just I know the story so you know you can't say sad behind a big smile (laughs) it's hard (laughs) although you create the character so you can say whatever you want yeah yeah he's he's flawed he's a very flawed man not that his family's better off without him that's not what I'm saying (laughs) but he had some growing to do um yeah I mean so he dies and then he ends up, oh my God, sorry. He ends up in the waiting room, which is like a purgatory. And that's where stuff starts hitting the fan because he sort of is given like a chance to like sit down and look back on his life and see like that he wasn't just suffering from a tumor, but from like suppressed trauma that he never addressed growing up. Ooh, okay. Deep. It gets real deep. Okay um so it's not like um scrooge where in bill murray's character he dies and then the ghost of christmas present past and future brings him to different parts of his life and then he becomes this guy had a dark background uh i i don't know i'd say like he definitely had like childhood trauma like just from like things that i feel like people don't even really talk about um like if you had like a parent who was very like 
they didn't believe in you and they were very much like made you feel bad about yourself when you were young and sort of what that forces you as a child, like how your brain develops um, into being this perfectionist human who can never do anything wrong because you don't want to disappoint anyone the way that you disappointed your parent. Um, that's very much something he deals with. But I like what you said because it is kind of like that because he does travel to different worlds, but he's not the same person that he was in the last world. So he's still Edward Long but he goes to these different worlds and he encounters people from his past lives. And he's sort of trying to heal through doing all this, like having interactions differently than he did in the previous worlds um, and trying to face feelings that he grew up avoiding, you know, trying to see, is he able to really recover from the things he wasn't able to when he was still alive. So being a perfectionist that you can nearly understand why he becomes a neurosurgeon because he wants to succeed at everything to, to prove that, He's not what his parents or parents said he was. He's so much better. You see, I have done a backstory before you started. Yeah, I mean, I think the backstory developed as I started writing. Yeah. Okay. Like, it wasn't where it did not start <clears throat> backstory like at all. Like his his life just didn't exist. He just died. <laughs> he was a neurosurgeon that died. But there is a lot of backstory now that I've finished, obviously. But when I started, he was just a neurosurgeon with a daughter and he died. <laughs> why Why did you pick that name, Edward Long? I don't know. I, when I, I actually don't know why I pick names. I never think about them too much. Um, they just sort of come to me as I'm writing and then they just fit the character, I guess. So I was writing like the short story I was talking about um, and his name was Edward Long. And he was like, at first, before I wrote this book, he was like a scientist and it just felt very like scientist-y. <laughs> so I was like, I like that. Very scientist-y. That's a brand new word as well. You are an author. Um, Dictionary. <laughs> um, so if, if it was going to be a movie and if someone had to play Edward Long, who are we, what kind of person are we thinking? Oh, I thought about this so hard. I and know. I don't know. It has to be a 35-year-old man. Like that, that's the only thing. Like someone in their 30s who is a man. <laughs> what is he like? Yeah. Is he like um are we talking about? Let me see. Let me see. Uh are we talking about a Ryan Gosling or uh a Seth Rogan type guy? Well, he's a neurosurgeon, so he's not gonna, you know, what kind of <laughs> a neurosurgeon <laughs> Seth Rogan just like making jokes, slicing a brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that should um, be a movie that should be a movie yeah somebody make it um I don't know I you know there are moments of like humor throughout this but I don't think Edward's the one making the jokes it's more like the saint he meets in purgatory that that guy's a character um but I don't know who Edward would be like what actor I don't think he'd be like drop dead gorgeous like he's pretty much just like an average dude um who's kind of just dealing with trauma and he's someone who doesn't want to deal with it so like that's the thing it's like pulling teeth to get him to like accept that he's like been through some stuff you know um so I don't know it's a really good question I wish I knew I wish I had an answer but it's just it's hard I gotta look through actors or something when I was uh writing scripts I used to think okay well this is this girl's name and I'd flick through all the actors that I like and pick one take the photograph, put it on my laptop and write my character's name over it, then pick another character. So then I'd know who to wear at all times. But then what I start doing is putting that character's mannerisms into the story I was writing. So it was a bad idea for me. But um, so 
he dies. He knows he's going to die. He gets diagnosed. He doesn't live very long and he dies. So as far as he's concerned, he's dead. That's it. So he's in this kind of purgatory place called the waiting room. Isn't that right? Yep. And that's where he meets. Is it the saint or he's saint? Uh, saint, just saint. Like, okay. So it's not like the one saint that does this for everybody. It's, it's Edward's saint or guardian oh, type thing. Yeah, I'd say it's Edward's saint. Um, I think he's met other people, but he's just focused on Edward right now. Okay. <laughs> the saint of travelers. Okay. So, so when he's in this waiting room purgatory with the saint, what, what is, um, does he understand what's going to happen next? How is it explained to him? What's, what happens? Yeah. So it's funny because it's sort of like a therapy session. Um, he sits in front of a projector and he kind of looks back on his life and on moments that he didn't really see as anything that was necessarily bad. But then when you look at it from an outside perspective, you're like, oh, that was bad. And that was not good. Um, and I was, this is like a huge compliment and I don't even know if I can claim this, but one of my editors compared the scenes with Saint and Edward to like Goodwill Hunting, which I was like, oh, Whoa. wow whoa like I have that I recorded it because I was like that is too nice and I my ego cannot handle um <laughs> this is insane but to give perspective it is like you're sitting in a room similar to how they were and you're kind of talking with someone who's like I don't want to be talking I don't want to be here and someone who's like you have to be here sort of prying and like using humor to sort of get him to open up um and I hadn't even thought of goodwill hunting when I was writing it at all because it's like sci-fi mystery not like anything like that but in regards to what the scenes sort of look like it is sort of like a therapy session um and Edward sort of coming to terms with stuff that he didn't want to talk about when he was alive and then after he sort of goes through this little therapy session he gets sent to another world um where he is like forced to be in that environment and deal with it um and through like his travels his memories get distorted and he's sort of figuring it out um, I've also been told that it's like a puzzle box, like you're with the character sort of putting the pieces together, trying to figure out, you know, what he needs to know, like, what is the ultimate goal of going back and relearning like all this stuff about himself that he didn't really allow himself to notice when he was growing up. So, yeah. So it's not, it's not, um, it's not like we, the reader knows everything and we're waiting for Edward to find out as we're finding out as he finds out through his experience, these other worlds and he's dialogue with the sand yeah you're right there with him which yeah. i think is frustrating for some readers because like at times you're going to be a little confused and you're like what the hell is going on <laughs> but i find that so fun because it's like you maybe you'll put the mystery together before he does you know like you're getting the same clues as him um it's just a matter of you know how long it takes you to figure it out and there are some twists i will say that so. but there's so much planning like there's so much planning that goes into like okay this is like you know the way I would ever do something, I say, okay, well, this is the end. This is how it ends. Mm. So how do I filter that down into categories and make the whole story? So now I have a whole story here. And these are the bits I need to tell in this graph to get up to the end. But yeah, it's so hard. It's um for for that that person to say that that scene was like goodwill hunting, that must mean that the dialogue is very good with the like. For somebody to say that, you know, when you read something sometimes and my favorite, I don't read a lot because every, 
I uh, audiobook. That's what I like to do. But sometimes when I'm hearing characters talking or if I'm reading something and I like to pretend I'm a fly on the wall or feel like I'm a fly on the wall listening to this conversation. So now I'm not reading a book or I'm not out for a walk listening to my audiobook. I'm thinking, well, what's he going to say next? What's going to happen here? So for someone to give you that compliment, it must be, it, it must be fucking really good. I was like completely like, what? Because I love that movie too. Like, you know, I'm like, it's based in Boston. Hello. Um, but I was like, that, that stuck with me. Like I, it really like, see, that's what I mean. It's like other people show me like how my work is being perceived. I would never in a million years ever say that about my work, that it's compared to that. No, yeah. but for him I'd to have say- it on my bio on Instagram. <laughs> Clockwork Junkie podcast, the exact same as Goodwill Hunting. Right? Yeah. No, I never. I literally, would, I couldn't. Um, but yeah, it was insane because this is someone who I very much valued his opinion. Like he was my editor, and like he was someone who mm-hmm. sort of helped me develop this idea for the book. Um, and for him to say that, I was blown away. Like I was like very confused. Yeah, cool. And it's I like really, really cool. I was like, it's like <laughs> a compliment you'll remember when you're forever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Obviously, you don't want to give away the twists and the book and, and different stuff. But so we'll have to thread carefully in the conversation from here on. Gotcha. Yeah. But um, so I will just ask you questions like you're going to tell me everything and you tell me what you want. Is that OK? OK. Yeah. Um, so. Is it. Does he think that if he. If he figures out why he's going to all these different worlds and why, why, um, why he has to deal with his past trauma, does he think that he'll get back to world one, as you called it, the, the earth that he came from, or does he think he'll go to heaven? Or what? What's his purpose for? Like, obviously, he doesn't want to do it. The saint is talking him into doing it. He doesn't want to be there. He's half-heartedly going through all of this. Why? Why is he doing that? What does he think the end game is? I honestly, when he's in it, I don't think he knows. I think he very much feels forced. Mm. But at the end of the day, when he looks back and he watches and he really sees himself for who he is and sort of how he treated people and how he was treated, he's like, I need to fix that. Like, it's sort of really just like seeing yourself from the outside and noticing how you interact with people and how you are interacted with. And if you're given the chance to sort of, be able to redo that um, and fix the problems that you might have caused in someone's life or the problems that were started in your life he's sort of just taking that chance and he's accepting that you know this is my fate and I gotta just go through the motions and see where I end up I don't the one thing that's known is that he can't go backwards so he can only go forward so he can't go back to world one um he just keeps going world to world to world um, and it does in your in in this universe does everybody go to this purgatory if they have to resolve stuff or is it just him has it's happened loads of you, you said that the saint would have dealt with people in the past i'm not sure if this comes up in the book but you must it does is this yeah. something that happens all the time mm. i don't know if i want to answer that just because it's like, <laughs> I seen your eyebrows raising as I asked the question and I said cut 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 I was like <laughs> I'm just kidding no not because it gives anything away but this book like I feel like I could tell you so much and it still wouldn't 
give you an idea. Like there's so many layers to it. And even I, sometimes I reread it like twice or six times at this point. And I'm like finding new stuff every time. And I literally wrote it. So I'm like, what's going on? Um, which is so weird, but yeah, I'm going to leave that up for people to find out if they want to read it, because I think that is a wonderful question and could be great in a book club. That was a very political answer, um, but I like it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, so, <laughs> so what it sounds from what you're saying is that it's, um, it's twofold. It, it's one, he didn't deal with his own traumas when he was younger or how he was made feel at any stage. He probably brushed it off and just went uber competitive and tried to excel. Oh, yeah. And then because he was this character or this person, then he might have been not very good to other people. He might have made other people feel bad. He might have maybe even had some of those traits to his daughter, perhaps. Mm. Uh, now, I obviously haven't read it yet, but I'm just putting two and two together and getting seven probably. But um, so how can he fix those things if he can't ever go back? Yeah, so the different worlds that he travels to has his family members in it. They just serve different purposes in his life. So just so you know, just say that first line again in, in, in the other worlds he goes to. Um, In the other worlds he goes to, he has like the same family members in his like, in like the same characters from world one are in world two, but they serve different purposes in his life. So in world two, for example, his daughter is one of his patients. She's not his daughter. So he still encounters people from his past lives. They just are different, like people in his life, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that yeah. would be a good movie. Thank you. Oh my like God. a Netflixy thing because it's, um, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, he's I think seen, he's seen the same characters and different parts and different worlds all serving a different purpose to get him to, to actually you never answered that original question I asked you what's his end goal why does yeah. he why is he doing all of this is is it to get to heaven is it to shut up the saint is, what's the can you tell me I, I don't know I don't know because again that's a great question I'm like uh the book just kidding um <laughs> oh, you know, wait till I find out reading your own book again <laughs> no um I think for him it, like I said like he sort of really is just seeing that he kind of went through it and I think he wants to see how he can change again it's, it's sort of like he's being forced like there's moments where Saint like forces him into worlds and he has to just sort of figure it out um so he doesn't really have a lot of control but once he's in the world he does but then he forgets like he forgets about his experiences with Saint and then he gets back there and he's like, what the hell is going on? Like, it's very disorienting. Um, so he's kind of just going along with it because he has to, like, you know, he doesn't want to be in the waiting room the whole time. He's like, I don't want to be like this. that program quantum leap. Have you ever seen that program? I haven't. There's a quantum sure. leap where a guy quantum leaps into a different world and he's a character and everyone's there, their stories. And then at the end of it, he gets leaped and he goes somewhere else. You see, you're too young for the stories. That's a quantum leap. It was called. It's really, really good. Well, I, I thought it was good, but I like yeah. sci-fi stuff anyways. Um, oh, yeah, that sounds like it. <laughs> but if he can't, like, I'm asking questions here now with like a seven-year-old child, but that's the way I do it. So if it. if he can't, um, if he can't go back and he can't change anything, but he might be able to change himself and realize what happened to him, the trauma when he was younger, wasn't his fault. And this is why he became a certain way. And this is why perhaps he treated 
other people this way. And he learns all of this and he understands it. But no one else knows because his family are still on world one, which he can't go back to. Yes, he sees them in different worlds as different characters as part of the healing process or as part of him trying to figure out what the hell is happening here and what's the point. Um, But if he can't fix anything in world one, what's the point of him getting an epiphany and realizing stuff? Yeah, that is a wonderful question. Again, you have so many good questions and you explain my book better than I ever could. (laughs) I'm like, wow, like you should pitch this every time because I'm not explaining it. (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness. Um, That's why I don't write stuff down. Yeah. Because if I wrote stuff down, I wouldn't ask you that question. Um, yeah, I mean, think about it. Like if you die, it's kind of about like, it's just an idea. It's about like your healing journey. You know, it's, it's healing in the ways that you've been able to heal before. It seems very selfish, but Saint also makes it a point that like his actions affect everything that he brought into being, including his daughter. So like the way that he's changing, like it'll impact the future you know, daughters in different worlds, if that makes sense. Like, it's very hard to explain. Say that last um, time again. So there's different worlds, and then yeah. he, him healing affects the other worlds. He won't have to keep moving if he sort okay. of fixes the problems in the world that he's currently occupying. But if he keeps messing up, he keeps dying. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect answer. That answers my question completely. That's what I wanted to know. Like I, I, because I picture if, if let's say you're a really, really good friend of mine, I was mean to you for seven or eight years, then I die, which I'm going to live forever. Um, fame. I know I'm going to live forever. So I die. And then I learn of all the bad stuff I've done to you, but I can't help you. What's the fucking point? I said, leave me in purgatory. I'm fine. You know, who would play a saint in a movie? Um, have you seen Lucifer, the TV show? Yeah. I feel like Lucifer's brother. I don't know why. That's just who I yeah. think. I don't know why. But Saint is. <clears> yeah. I don't I know just, Lucifer's brother, but I know Lucifer, the, the dark haired guy. I've seen two or three episodes. I haven't seen I that too much. What actor it is, actually. I watched it when I was younger. Like it was like a high, I think I was in high school and yeah. I would watch it with my mom. But when I was thinking, because it's like, you know, angel devil type thing, um, like that's who came to mind. Um, somebody who's kind of you know strong and he's super sassy he's like really sassy for a saint and he has really long nails and he like is people said that that's their favorite character because he really adds like some comedy and some spice to a really sad story about this man um but yeah that's the only character that i'm like that's who's gonna play yeah yeah well it's a sad story so it's 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 not a is a book of redemption of like, uh, you know, like when you say it's sad, mm. is, is it sad because he died? Because um, of what happened to him? Because of, or why would you say it's sad? I think it's just sad when you have to discover at like 35 years old, like what happened to you and how it impacted you. Like, I think a lot mm. of people have trauma that they never address. And then at one point in their life, they're like, why am I acting this way? Like, why do I react that way? And then you either go to therapy and talk about it, or you think deeply about your childhood and you're like, oh, like I'm doing this as like a trauma response or something like that. So it's just, it's a sad story because it's like, he could have been a totally different person 
if he wasn't shaped in the way that he was growing up. And granted, like, that could mean maybe he wouldn't have married his wife or maybe he wouldn't have had his daughter, but it's just the idea of like what could have been if he hadn't had those struggles growing up. Um, so yeah, that's what I mean by sad. I mean, yeah. it's sad, but it's also like hopeful. I, I kind of wanted to use this book to provide people with a sense of hope that like, if we die here, like we're not really dead if we end up somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of sounds like, um, like a sci-fi mystery drama. Fair. It's very That's dramatic. It's very um. That's good. That's you know. good stuff. I should write that down. Yeah, I should be your hype woman or your hype man. I should hype to fuck you up. I should be every interview, everything you do. I say, listen, bitches, we've an author coming on here, and this is the story. Um. Thanks. I love that drama. And uh, I suppose if he had a choice of going anywhere, he would like to go back to World One, the original world that he came from, and see his daughter and wife. And he never gets a chance to do that. I'd assume. You won't tell me anyways. He does. Of course he does. You can't write the book without that happening. Hey, um, we don't know. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Is, is, uh, <clears throat> so, the book is out. It's out. And as I said, the link is in the description. And, and f- go and follow you on um, Instagram. I actually follow her on Instagram. I, look, I follow about 60 people and she's one. So, she, she's 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 rare you should be so privileged it's just be like you know it's it's uh, like winning miss universe or miss world be, oh my god i'm so happy yeah i am i'm honored literally you're so nice to me <laughs> <laughs> you you don't really know me um i don't i, I actually am very nice i'm very <laughs> extremely handsome and very nice and thoughtful and kind of smoldering you know i can't look i don't have to tell you you have eyes um so is there i don't know if you'll answer this maybe you will or maybe you won't is there a part two or when this is finished or look obviously you're going to be an author you're a writer you are an author you're you're going to have different ideas and different stories and you probably have little pens everywhere with ideas and characters and maybe you don't but um is this could this be like a chain of books about or does it end at the end uh is that fair can can i ask that so i didn't think it was going to end at the end but then i wrote the end and it ended at the end but people are like i want more and i'm like what does that mean so it might leave like you thinking if that makes sense like you're kind of like what but you're not confused you know what happens at the end but you're kind of left to just yeah that's my pet peeve you read, watch a series, read something at the end and go, well, it's kind of up to you to decide, no, motherfucker, what happened? I'm after reading this whole book or watching this whole series, a 10-part fucking Netflix series, and at the end, nobody knows what happened. No. If you told me not to start, I wouldn't watch the thing. You know what happens, I promise you. Yeah. There is a solid ending. Um, But I guess my answer to your question is, I could expand it, but it wouldn't be the same story. It'd be like a story about something else. What's Edward's daughter called? Susie. Susie Long. When Susie is 60, Susie dies. And when she arrives in purgatory, she meets Saint. I was expecting you. Part two, when a soul walks. Oof. Bum, 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 bum. There you go. It's so hard. I just... 
I, I want you, I don't know if you're going to, because I know you say you don't read much, but if you do get to the end and you read it, like, it'll all make sense. Like the, the answers to those questions, like will be filled. Like all the questions that you had throughout the entirety of it will be answered. Mm -hmm. So I do, do read a lot, but I just don't read fiction. Oh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I'll be the first. Yeah. It's because, um, like I like books on, um, psychology and like space or physics or stuff like that are, are people talking about loads of different stuff but it's not that i don't like fiction i do but it's just so hard to find um can i give you an example of something that drives me absolutely fucking wild okay i have it uh lauren and mark were talking on the podcast mark's backdrop Reminded me of a summer in 69 as the Jew on the leaves. Shut the fuck up. Just say it was a background and get on with the story. I don't care about summer 69. I don't care. Facts. Yes. I got way too emotional there, but that pisses me off. I don't like that at all. Tell me the fucking story. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I, I don't, there's not a lot of fluff in my yeah. book. I'll tell you that. No, there's not. I, I read the first bit. It's, it's, it's yeah. everything that's there is, is everything that's there is saying something and it adds something to what he's saying, you know. It There's one like Edward's middle finger is longer than his other middle finger because in second grade, this basketball came over made of a letter. Now, this letter was made in China in the 60s in China. Shut the fuck up. What? I don't even care about his finger. Just say one is longer than the other, but we'll get to that again. And, you know, anyways. So 23 years away of, of age, yes. author. An extremely complicated book, it seems to be. And what, when I say that, I don't mean as in reading. I mean as in you can't just sit down with a big two pencil and clicking it on your teeth and start writing. You have to have an idea of, okay, what am I doing here? What's the story? Um, so if you don't mind, I have some questions. If people watch this of all ages and people might think, well, I'd love to write a book or I'd love to be able to do it. And I have some questions. Um, first of all, how many drafts did it take you before it was accepted by the publisher? And how frustrating was that process? Not with the, I'm, I, I'm not saying, oh, my publisher was that everyone has frustration. How frustrating is it? Did, did, did you feel like giving up how many drafts? All that kind of stuff. Talk about that. Yeah. So like I had kind of mentioned before, the draft was supposed to be due in October. And I messaged my publisher and I was like, I need more time. Like, this isn't ready. I don't feel confident with it yet because I didn't feel like I had enough going. Like, I was still like, where is this book going? So then they're like, that's fine. Like, we'll give you like three more months. You can do this thing called boot camp where you're basically going to sit down three hours every week with other people on Zoom and you're going to do accountability writing. It's like, great, perfect. So I did that. And then I sent in my draft on uh, New Year's Eve. That draft they call it greenlit, like it got the green light, which means that I can keep moving forward. Um, but to get there, I needed those three more months. Like, I don't think, I don't know if that would have gotten the green light if I had passed it in in October. Okay, so I gotcha. gave myself time. I was like, because again, I'm like my biggest critic. So I'm like, if this isn't good enough, it is sure as hell ain't good enough. So then I went those three months, finished it, got the green light, was like, whoo. But then it moved into more like the revisions phase and I wasn't even done with the book yet so I was like okay how can we revise when I don't even have the Pressure. end of the book? yeah 
major pressure. And also my senior year of college, I was like, I'm a creative writing major. I'm writing essays and reading all day, every day. So again, I had to like sit down and write and do all that. Um, so I think the most frustrating process wasn't like giving it to them. It was more so like forcing myself to like sit down and really write and like use time wisely and not just like write random stuff. Everything had to have meaning. Um, so then, you know, went on for a couple more months. I was working with a marketing and revisions editor and I was still writing chapters when I was hundred percent should have been revising. <laughs> and then um, I passed in the second draft and it was done basically. And from there, you know, I went through proofreading, uh, copy editing. I had to do all that. I did it myself and then I sent it to them and then they sent it back and yeah. I sent it back to them because it was sort of that thing where they're like, oh, we'll change a few things. And I'm like, no, it's supposed to be said this way. So then I, you know, it was like a back and forth for a little bit. That was super stressful. I was like, whoo, like finals week. Why? <laughs> like, girl. Whereas if you self-publish, you can do it any way you want. It doesn't matter. But it, it, the chances are, well, it nearly always won't be as good. Yeah, it's so, that's what my biggest piece of advice is like get someone else's eyes on your paper or get someone else's eyes on your book because constructive criticism goes such a long way because your book, if you don't have someone saying something's wrong with it and then you go forward with it, then your readers are going to be like, well, there's something wrong with that. So you might as well like deal with like criticism when you like need it. Um, and it's also, I find it like kind of funny too because I'm like, oh my God, you're so right. How did I miss that? Like I had a professor once be like, I have no idea what's going on in my book. And like before I published and I was like, okay, <laughs> good. So then I changed it and now it makes sense. Um, so yeah, that process was a lot of back and forth. Um, and a lot of what times do you mean? So I changed it. Like that must have been like, what the fuck do you change? Like this is the, the, the here, how do, where do I start to change this? How about I change the whole story? Do I, obviously I can't change the story, but surely that's frustrating that would drive me absolutely bananas yeah so after the first draft was when I got a lot of insights on what needed to be added and uh, like made more clear nothing needed to be like changed directly it was more just like this is confusing and you need to make this make more sense um so I found that really helpful and I was like almost like begging for feedback because I was like I don't want this to be literal garbage you know like I would this is something this is probably the most <laughs> ever been of my of my writing um which says a lot because i'm usually like oh it's not good that's a cool name for a band by the way literal garbage oh it's a great name yeah. sounds like something from like diary of a wimpy kid <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a thing like hot garbage or something his brother's band yeah. um yeah so but when it got to the copy editing proof reading phase it was less so like you need to change this. It's more like they were kind of finding things to change. I almost felt like they were changing things just to like change it. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like they would change the way something was said, like tiny, tiny things. But I notice it because it's like my baby. It's like my book. I've, I've um, heard other authors on the podcast saying that, that very close to the end of the book being greenlit, that people were saying like, they were saying, well, like, I'm not changing that. You're just now literally finding something to change just to, to, um, give importance to your job 1000 <laughs> percent. i posted a video i go is anyone else dealing with this like does anyone else feel like they're just changing things to change it because i was going through this with other authors who are also publishing manuscripts and they were like yes 
they're like, why did you change the way I said like one word? Like it was so weird. Um, but it, yeah, it felt like it was just like fulfilling their job purpose, which I was yeah, like, it's like oh. an, I will meet you tomorrow. I want you to change tomorrow to the day after today. Fuck off. One thousand percent. That's exactly how it was. And I wish I had examples, but I remember I had said the example and I was like, has anyone ever heard anything said like this before? And they were like, no, they're like, I've never heard anyone say that in my life. And I was like, good. Uh, let me change that back. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was little stuff that I would notice. And thank God I reread it. Literally, I, I printed out the 200 pages, like double-sided, which I love the environment. I'm sorry, I wasted paper. But I would go through, I did it twice. I go through every single line, edit it myself, then send it back to them. Um, and I went back and forth probably two or three times, which isn't a lot. Some people did like much more. Um, and I'm surprised I didn't do much more, but I felt at the end, I was first off exhausted. It's like, I've read this too much. I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. And also I was like, I think it's good. I think but it's the, done. You've actually, that's crazy. You've said that because that's my next question. It's, it's, um, so on a much smaller scale. So when I do a podcast, let's say the podcast is two and a half hours long. I might edit it down to like an hour and a half, for example. And I've, so I'm taking out clips, first of all, I'm editing the whole, I'm listening back, I'm taking out clips, I'm adding stuff in, yada, yada, yada. Then when the day comes out, have you watched your podcast today yourself? No, the, the, the good is gone. Mm. I know every word. I even know what I took out, what I put in, what I, I someone might laugh in a minute because this is, I won't laugh because I fucking put it there. I know what's coming. And I, it took me ages to get it on that second for the fucking thing. Like, I have to, uh, Obviously, I'm recording this a bit in advance, but I had one not so long ago for Halloween. And uh, in one of my clips, like a, a tarantula spider comes down the middle of the screen. So like people might go, oh, when it's like, I won't. Because I spent like 45 minutes to get that in the center of the screen and to not be too big or too small. Or... So for you, when you got the book in your hand, the excitement. But what is like, was it like... is? What's the word? Is it, is it an, an anticlimax, I suppose, is the question after that big, long-winded fucking question? Um, I cried. <laughs> I'm not a big crier, and I bawled my eyes out. Um, the book came in the mail, like a four boxes of books, because over 100 people pre-ordered it, which is insane, to say the least. Um, so I had to ship out all the books. So when I got it in my hand, I literally cried. It was like me and my sister's dog, and I was just like, oh, my God. Um, and I'm pretty sure I read it. I think I read it just because I was like, uh, one last perfectionist thing, make sure that nothing's screwed up, even though it's too late. And I saw like, for example, there was like a date and it didn't have like the 29th, like the TH wasn't there. And I was like, <laughs> that's the only mistake I found though. So I was like, thank goodness. Um, but I know what you mean. Like after a while of editing it, I'm like, I have to be done. Like you can't keep looking at it or else you're going to be sick and you're going to find problems every time. That's the thing too. It's like, you know, there's it's just nothing. Interesting is what, when, when it's like, uh, when a movie comes out and the actor or actress is talking about the movie, you'd often hear somebody asking them a question and they'd have to think because they've done the movie two years ago. They've, you know, they don't, it's been so long since anyways, moving on to the next question. Cause I, I stay on that one topic forever. How do you come up with ideas? So your story obviously has loads of different things happening and different worlds, and that's confusing enough. And not only that, you're trying to tell a story of something that happened to this man and then the way he treated others and the redemption and why he's there. And you're trying to make the dialogue interesting. And so how do you 
I suppose, how do you come up with your ideas, question one? And question two is, how do you know if it's a good idea or a bad idea? And that's probably a hard question to answer, but where do you come up with your ideas is the first question. Yeah, uh, I usually use like my own environment, typically like whether it's outside or in my house, like I feel like I find ideas just floating around, you know, like I, I wrote the first chapter of one of soul walks for like a short story assignment, which was like, it was easier in college because you kind of were forced to write stories. So, you know, and you also were doing it for a grade. So you had to make sure it was good enough to get that A. Um, but basically like the story behind like this initial idea was like, I had like canceled travel plans. Like I was supposed to go to the Netherlands. Like I was supposed to do all this. The pandemic shut it down. I was grabbing classes. Like it was the there was a week until school started. I, I threw myself into fiction courses when I thought I was a poet. Um, so it was like mid pandemic, I'm sitting at my desk in a city that's practically shut down. And I'm thinking about my grandpa who passed away in 2011. Like, I'm thinking like, well, you know, he died. And I'm thinking about death because the pandemic, but I was like, what, what is life like for him after he passed? You know, like, it stemmed from a worry that I've held on to since I was 11, like the fear that my grandpa wouldn't watch me grow up. So it's like my environment sort of contributes to my ideas. So like pandemic leads me to thinking about death, leads me to thinking about my grandfather, who I loved very much, who died when I was really young. Um, and then it leads to me questioning, well, where is he now? And then so on and so forth. So I ask myself a lot of questions. I feel like all the time, I'm just sort of sitting with curiosity questions about the world and the universe. And then my ideas stem from the questions that I want answers to that we don't really have answers to. And then I give you answers through fiction. Yeah. Would would you have an idea that you might think that sounds interesting, but like wouldn't know how to get there or think, well, this might be too complicated to flesh out in words. Would that happen? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I've definitely written stories that are just going to stay the way they are and they're never going to go anywhere. Um, I always make sure to like try to finish them because I feel like it's just good to have a closing and not leave it open. Um, but I've definitely written things that haven't been finished and things that I don't think are really going to be anything more than just an assignment or just a story. But typically the ones that I run with are ones that people have already read and said, like, that's not finished. Like for my short story, my mom's like, there's more to this. And I was like, okay, let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah, you you um you seem to have a very important um tool in your kit, which is you can listen to criticism without uh, taking personal yeah. offense and saying "fuck you." If it's if if it's constructive, you'll you'll take it on board. Which is um most people don't have that, you know, me included. Sometimes it it's a hard a skill to have. Yeah, when I was in high school and I would show my mom, this took a while for sure. I've been writing for a long time, so it was like. When I was in high school, my mom would say like, maybe you should change that. I'm like, why? I'd be like, I'd be like mad. I'm like, mom, it's why? And I would get mad because I knew I needed to change it. It was just like laziness. Like I was like, I don't want to change it. I want it to be done. But it's like, I've learned you got to put in the work so that not only you can enjoy it, but other people can too. Yeah. That's the tea. If your mother had said, oh yeah, it's fine. Then you will go, okay, that's cool. Now I don't have to do any more work. I got away with that one. But deep down knowing that it wasn't perfect. Yeah, that's um that's interesting. I have a I, I have a question, and you can spend as long as you would like um answering this question. And I hope you have loads of things to say, but um what mistakes did 
did you make? So obviously you started, you've done all of this stuff. Everything is fantastic. The book is out. You're over the moon. Um, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. But you did not go from there to there without fucking up a hundred times in the middle. So the reason I ask you what mistakes did you make was it might be helpful for other people who perhaps won't make those mistakes. So when people ask me about podcasting, I don't say, well, you get to meet people. You get, I always say, don't do this. Don't do that. I done this. You're wasting your time. I always tell them things not to do first um, because they're the mistakes that I made. So the floor is yours. You have 10 hours to answer this question. God, I have so many things to say. <laughs> um, one of like the constructive criticism is a big thing. Like never shy away from an opportunity for someone to read your work, especially if it's a teacher or somebody who's in writing. Um, I think it's a huge mistake to also like gatekeep, gatekeep your writing because for the longest time I didn't share it. I was like head of poetry club in high school and I barely shared poems because I was so shy and I was scared of what people would think. And it's sort of like, get over it. Like people are going to judge you with whatever you do in life anytime. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's negative judgment, but people are going to make a judgment on what they're hearing you say. And it's like, might as well get past that when you like have the opportunity to share it. I had so many opportunities growing up to share my writing and I, I shied away from it because I didn't think it was good enough. Um, so take the opportunity. I literally will <laughs> yell at people over this because like, I, again, like I was only in high school, but I feel like to this day, I'm still working with people as a writer coach. And they're like, I don't think I can do it. And I'm like, stop saying that. Like, you need to train your inner critic to be like, yes, I can, you know, switch that narrative. Like if you weren't ready, you wouldn't have the opportunity, um, which is a quote that ultimately led to me publishing my book because I almost didn't, I almost didn't go to the program. And I asked advice to a friend too. This is another thing. If you feel like you're ready and someone tries to tell you that you're not, don't listen to them. I had a friend be like, mm, I don't think you should do it. You're probably yeah, going to be Fuck you, crazy. friend. That's not a real yeah. friend. Fuck that person. We're not even friends anymore. So there you go. Um, and I love people, but that was mm, toxic. Um, so yeah, don't listen to other people when they try to like downgrade your dreams because it's like they don't know anything and they're just jealous because they're not. People will try to stop you doing things or pursuing things that they want to because they don't want to see you doing them you stay here with me don't try to better yourself don't take a chance don't believe in yourself because i don't believe in myself so you stay here with me i fucking hate those people it's so frustrating because i it's like i was also at a point where i'm like trying to believe in myself so then to have another person not believe in me it's like ugh, like great so now we're both on the same train but luckily i was talking to enough people who were supporting me and within myself i'm like it's time like i need to do this you um, know don't you you know yeah, in your own feeling. essence yeah. of your heart it's it's that time and when it's your time you know to stop questioning yourself it's like that is the biggest thing with writers we're so freaking doubtful of our potential and it's like at the end of the day it's like regardless of how many books you sell like you did it like you got through it you accomplished a goal like be proud you know um but yeah that's like my best advice is like believe in yourself and be your own hype woman or hype man or hype person and know how special that your gift is. Um, yeah. Have you ever point. tried to, uh, like, have you ever rushed something that you knew wasn't good enough, but just rushed it anyways? Or would you always take your time? Like the reason I'm asking is I've, I've done that loads of times where it's like, 
this has to be done by then. It's not perfect, but it's okay. Oh, makes me so nauseous thinking about it because it reminds me of like back in my poetry days because like I started writing fiction when I was probably like a sophomore junior in college. So that like is pretty recent because I'm I just graduated last May. Um, so that happened a lot with poetry with me and poetry is so structured sometimes and it's so like rigid and I would just be like, Ugh, like, I don't know, this metaphor is fine. And then I pass it in and be like sick over it. Cause I'm like, ew, that wasn't good, but I just want it to be done. Um, that's another thing is like, take your time. <laughs> like, yes, there will be deadlines, but like, you can always improve things and like, don't, don't like feel like you're not allowed to just like sit down for a couple hours and like stare at it and like, you know, pick away at it. But again, that kind of leads into constructive criticism. You want someone else to see it too. And that is a whole thing. People are so scared of getting feedback, but it's really what's going to make your piece of writing, whatever it is, like do well, because other people will give it to you straight and they're readers. You know, why would you want your get readers? feedback from an editor, from an editor oh. or from a publisher? Don't get feedback from Johnny down the road who, who, who drinks beer five days a week, you know? No, God, no. Um, or even like if you're in like college and you're writing or something, or if you're in school, um, you can ask a fellow like writing friend because when I was in school, we would do like workshops and everyone in class would like basically go around and tear your work apart because we got to build thick skin and it would suck. Like when I was a freshman, I was like, ow. But then by senior year, I was like, oh my God, I love that. Like, thank you. That's such a great idea to like change this or alter that. Um, so you start to appreciate it once you get it more. So. Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know if you even realize how, how, uh, how hard it is to do that. Like you obviously can do it and you've done it, but even people twice your age can't do that. So it's a fantastic tool to have. Um, what, um, oh yeah, just, sorry. Uh, see, I have a million questions in my head and I don't want to keep you here for the rest of your life because you want to write a second book, but, um, with the poetry, it sounded like you were really, really good at it and you enjoyed it perhaps 50%, but with the writing, it sounds like you're really, really good at it and you love doing it. Love it. Yeah. 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 Poetry was like when I was sad, I would like write poems. Okay. And they'd be really sad and like, they'll like shoot you in the heart kind of sad. Um, but then I ultimately realized though, I was writing really long form poetry and I was writing stories the whole time. It was like a story just in a poetry form. Like I wrote a whole story and I was like, this is a short story in stanzas, you know? Yeah. So I enjoyed poetry because I was storytelling through it. Um, and also, like I said, when I was in high school, it's an emotional time, you know? <laughs> and poetry is something that I leaned on greatly. Uh, and I would also write poems about my grandpa. Like, even though he passed away in 2011, it's something that to this day still affects me. Yeah. Um, which is something that I sort of get into in my book. Like grief is kind of something that always stays with you. Um, so it's just a matter of like ultimately learning to live with it, but also learning or hoping that your, your person that you love who has passed away, like is still somewhere and they're safe yeah. um, and they're sending you signs in the universe and stuff. Yeah. That's uh, whoever could prove that would be a, a multimillionaire. Um, two last questions. I won't okay. keep you all day, but I want to ask, so when you're writing, um, like what software do you, do you use? Yeah. Um, so the program that I was in, we use Quip, 
Have you heard of that? I haven't, no, but I'd probably find it and, and, and put a picture up. If, if you haven't seen the picture, I haven't found it. Just yeah, for other so, people that want to see it, you know? Yeah, so it's similar to Google Docs, um, but it is, I guess, formatting-wise, it's not the best. Like, it doesn't let you indent, and paragraphs are kind of weird. Okay. But it's a platform that I use where I can talk to, like, other writers and stuff, because I was in, like, a group. Um, so I use Quip, but I think you have to, like, get in the group first. Like, if yeah. you download the app you're just alone <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I use quip typically or like google docs like I just very mm. very simple my notes app if I have an idea but how do you know on a google doc how how to structure it like oh like with, well, with margins and, and how do you know because you've done courses that's how you know yeah well that's the thing is like I had like a a formatting editor so they like did all that fun stuff for me but when I did it through Amazon um, they give you a template with the formatting and everything. So if you want to go forward and publish a manuscript, like you could always use the create space template um, and then publish through somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. Just know there was, um, I was telling somebody there was an author coming on in her young twenties and just said, ask her that question. So I said I would. Um, and final question, what is next for you? So obviously you're 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 basking in the glory of being an author. You have a book; it's all exciting. Um, congratulations, as I said at the start. But where? What's next? I started writing my second book. Um, I started it as I was finishing my last one, so that's coming hopefully within the next year. I don't know if I can keep that, but I'm trying. And I'm also, I think I'm starting a blog because I I love giving advice. I feel like I'm everyone's therapist. Like my friends, like are always like. I need help and I'm like I gotcha so I'm gonna start a blog where I can sort of work on not being a perfectionist and sort of write and release my thoughts as well as advice for people if they need it start a podcast should I a podcast in uh, a podcast by an author about how to become an author hey my name is Lauren and welcome to bang off you go brilliant we'll have um, to do more what was that We'll discuss more. I'm actually we'll discuss going to more off here. Um, I I I don't want to keep it too much longer, but you're after opening a can of worms there. So you're 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 starting to write. You've started to write another book when you finished the first one. Yeah. What I genre started, is this? Um. I, yeah. Pretty similar. Yeah. Can I ask you a question and just be honest? Is it part two of this book? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not this okay. book i promise it has an ending y'all it ends and it's yeah i the ending this is what i'll say i again i'm not someone who's super proud of things that i've written the ending the last like three pages the most proud i've ever been of my writing so yeah tea. that's uh you can hold her to that as i said look the link is in there go and check it out and follow her on instagram um you might be giving some tips up there and stuff like that. But uh, look, thanks for coming on the show. It's um, I always like to find talented people anywhere in the world, um, unassuming. And uh, it's great that I can just, it's great that the podcast is at a place that I can just send a DM to fucking anyone, anywhere. And fucking two days later, we're having a chat. You know? I know. <laughs> a great place sign to be. What's that? I was like, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, in fairness, you were like, it was very, very easy. Like, some people don't get back for four or five days. I hate fucking DMing, you know? Mm. That's why when I found you on that site, I done the thing, like, you know, and it, 
but uh, yeah. Anyways, that's a different conversation for a different day. Thank you for watching the podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please don't be so weird. Just subscribe. You're watching the fucking thing anyways. Um, loads of more good stuff coming up. Uh, thanks for everything and talk soon. All the best. Bye-bye. Thank you.